And I got in line for Flight of Passage right away, rode that, and then my friends showed up and we rode it again. So I, I did Flight of Passage back-to-back within 45 minutes probably. Oh, that's pretty good. I did that back-to-back because I stole my son's magic band and, and used his <laughs> fast password. Hello, everyone. This is the DBC Pod with Phil Schoen and me, Jason Dodge, and this is the weekend review of November 14th, 2020. Again, this is the show where we scour the internet talking about what you guys are talking about. And this week, we've got our old friend Ryan Teets back on the show. Good evening, sir. Thanks for being on again. Thanks for having me. And the reason Ryan's on is he's just recently back from Walt Disney World. I think, what, we're recording this on Monday. We were supposed to record last night, but we had some technical difficulties. You came back on Thursday last week? Yeah. Like four days ago? I came back on Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah. Oh, even even farther back then. Okay, hopefully you can remember uh, (laughs) your trip. (laughs) But uh, we have Ryan on. He's going to be talking about his trip and... Being the news moderator for the Disboards, he's going to talk about uh, some of the news with Phil on the uh, the quarterly report. And um, but before we get in that, Phil, you wanted to talk about the uh, I- IAAPA because that came all that stuff came out today, so it's yeah. you know beneficial that we delayed it by one day. So why don't you tell everybody what that is and what you found out? We talked about it. Yeah, so it kind of, I guess, worked out well that there were tornadoes in my area and we had to not record, <laughs> uh, pushed it back a day. Uh, so, yeah, so the, the, the IAPA Expo is going on now. They're calling it the IAPA Expo Virtual Education Conference. And I don't know if everyone was expecting quite so much news to come out from Disney from this. I know, you know, usually some stuff comes out, but it seemed to be kind of just popping news item, news item after preview for this preview for that so it was pretty exciting to see um obviously i know like you mentioned ryan was posting all this stuff on the the main news thread but there's quite a few quite a few news items um a lot with a a number of rides at walt disney world and and around so i don't know if we want to just kind of get into them and start talking about what was announced and get everyone's reaction yeah i think we just dive in i mean is this is this every single year? Because I don't remember ever really hearing about it other than maybe seeing a blip about something on here. It seemed like almost like, like a half of a D23. Yeah. Kind of, so, like, I mean, they, they do have an expo every year. I believe it's every year. But, yeah, I don't know if it's yeah. just that they, they usually have bigger stuff at D23 and uh, the D23 expo. And with that not happening, they, they saved up or, or used this opportunity to get out some of the news they would have gotten out at the D23. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so going through some of the things they, they mentioned, uh, one, I guess, sort of rumor, but now more confirmed is that Ratatouille at Epcot is not going to open until 2020. Um, interesting use of words. They said it's on track to open then, which, you know, it's a trackless ride. It's sort of. Uh, 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 I mean, was anybody really expecting it to come out in the next month and a half? I don't think so. I mean, I think it was, my understanding is it's close and you obviously see all the work being done there. And if they wanted maybe more, more of a draw to Epcot and you know, you're going to get the crowds for the holidays. I thought there was a chance, but as we're, you know, as time went on, I thought it was more and more likely that 2021 and Ryan, you might know better, but I think the last room maybe like March timeframe. Yeah. That's last I've heard it as uh, March around March. And so well, I mean, with the with the good news of all like the vaccine stuff that's coming out, and where the majority of the vaccine is going to be hitting Q two Q three timeframe next year, 
do you think Disney might push this back to like end of summer type of thing? So um, you can kind of increase capacity and, and use it as a draw. I think it's possible. Um, they do have other new rides coming. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, and this has already been pushed back a bit, you know, since the original opening or even when it opened. So I do think Disney will continue to see how things go. Obviously, you know, go down that rabbit hole, but the stats are trending poorly for COVID cases. Um, so, you know, maybe by March, things are still really, really trending the wrong way and they'll push it back further. I don't, you know, they didn't announce a date. They just said 2021. So I think well, uh, it certainly leaves the, the opening to push it back. I mean, I think people are, I mean, not, not to make this a COVID discussion, but there, there is a light at the end of the tubble, tunnel, so to speak. And Disney might want to see if they can get as many people's back as possible. And they're just going to keep all the big things there to entice people. I don't know. Anyway, keep going. Yeah. So I think one of the uh, big ones that, that, at least for me, obviously, you know, having defended Epcot and excited <laughs> for the new Guardians uh, ride coming there was they showed a video of the ride vehicle in motion. And you actually got to see it going on tracks and spinning around and the cars can do 360 while they're moving and stuff. And then they showed, uh, I think it was just a still photo or maybe a short clip in a video of the track actually inside the, the D building or the, whatever I just saw an there. image. Yeah. And, uh, right. Well, hold on before you go yeah. on. Well, Ryan, what did you think of the, the, the video? I want to see if you match my, um, my uh, thoughts. Um, obviously, well, I mean, to tie first it impression, in, first, well, pr- first impression when you just saw it going, um, I would say I thought it was maybe a bit tamer than I was expecting. Um, but there was some, I've kind of seen similar stuff because there's been some leaked footage from like a year ago of similar vehicles that that was supposedly Disney. And so it's kind of, it's kind of been tossed around a little bit before too. Now I, my first impression was I didn't even think about how that, that one portion of the track just looked like it was very tame. It wasn't, it wasn't moving very fast, but what I thought it was, was it was extremely smooth and quiet. Even for even it was outdoors, it the the track just or the uh, the vehicle just was almost like it was floating on the track. You didn't really hear. I mean, I know it's brand new and everything, but um, it looked extremely smooth and non jerky in all of its motions. That was my first impression. Yeah, but everything you- I've seen, they're definitely marketing this as family friendly. I mean, maybe not for you know the littlest kids, not for everybody, uh, but definitely it's not supposed to be some crazy coaster. There's no inversions or anything like that. So the fact that it looks smooth, um, I think fits that, right? Um, there's going to be supposedly backward parts and stuff like that. So it's going to have to be as, I don't know if the technical term is non-jerky, but... Uh, as, <laughs> yes, as you can as measure possible. non-jerkiness in, yeah. in a metric unit, yes. <laughs> um, but it was also cool to see that that image of the track inside the building. I mean, it sort of evoked uh, images of Space Mountain to me, obviously being an inside roller coaster and seeing the track go around, but you know, some of the... Bank My impression as well, and, yep. And, uh, you know, I guess there was some part that looked like it was going into a tunnel, which I guess might be part of part where it goes between galaxies and stuff like that. So, or through time, I guess, because it's supposed to be cosmic rewind. So, so we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm excited for it. I think the ride vehicle should be able to do a lot in telling a story, but it's, I keep coming back to, I think it needs to be a really good story. You know, okay. Yeah. You built this great roller coaster, this huge building. Why is it in Epcot? Why is it Guardians of the Galaxy? You know, all that. So. You know, if they can make all of it fit together, you know, kind of how Expedition Everest is a roller coaster that they made fit into Asia and Animal Kingdom, um, then I'll be I'll be excited for it. 
Yeah, totally. They did show a couple other ride vehicles, including the Spider-Man Web Slinger ride, which it's sort of enclosed and stuff like that, so it's not too much to see, but I guess it's good to see progress. Um, they showed uh, one clip of, or I guess an image from Inside Space 220. So, again, good to see that on progress. Um, I think the last I heard from that was also that March time frame uh, when that might open as well. Um, I know some people are commenting that they thought the, the windows or you know, their video screens, but supposed to be windows, seemed a little smaller than they thought they might be. But hmm. I think it'll still be you know impressive, especially if you're sitting right up against them and you see the motion and it looks like you're looking down on Earth and stuff. So, so. Um, they showed a preview of the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. Um, this was where I was seeing some more mixed comments on the internet. Um, I know they're supposed to have regular rooms and um, suites, and I know some of the preview you know concept art. I think more of it was of the suites, so people were probably hmm. surprised at the how small this room was. And so I sort of joked that it, you know, it probably has the highest cost per square footage of like any <laughs> in the world. Um, but yeah, I mean, it looked kind of neat. It had the window that's supposed to, again, sort of look out over space and had the bunk beds. I'm sure kids are going to love it. And that, but uh, I don't know. It's just another one that it's good to see progress. You know, it's something else we've just seen in concept art. We've never seen these images before. Ryan, I don't know if you've seen anything, but I've, I haven't seen any photos from, rooms we've seen yeah. the concept art and yeah this, and this I mean, didn't match really about. closely to one of the concept arts that was out there but i hadn't seen any photos before yeah this was the first we've seen of actual images from from the resort um we've seen obviously some concept arts of what the rooms would look like but this is really the first look of what they'll actually look like maybe i'm missing it where was the actual images because i'm looking on the, the one link from disney parks blog with all this stuff on yep. it. Is that the image I'm looking at? Yep. Yeah. The the actual images are the ones in the middle of the Parks blog article. There's oh, yeah, a concept got all... on top and bottom, and then there's the two actual images are in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I, I, I can see it now. Yeah, just to confuse you. Yes, of course. And I got confused. <laughs> they won. They won. <laughs> um, and one of the, the last things I, I noted was they did do another preview of the uh, Genie that's coming that I don't know if it's going to replace MDE or if it's going to be a complement to it, but... They, they keep talking this up that it's going to be a way to make planning a better and easier experience for everyone. Um, I'll believe it when I see it. But oh, it's, it's going to work. work it. I mean, like, look, I mean, great. The, the jokes about Disney IT and, and programming aside, um, I think this is a wonderful addition, right? Because only the most fervent Disney fanatics plan their vacation like this. Like how many countless stories do you hear about people going, oh, try to make a reservation the week before, or the, you know, they don't, they didn't know that they can make fast passes, or how many times are you online, a woman trying to wave her bracelet and says, I have three fast passes, but didn't know she had to actually schedule the fast passes. (laughs) So I I think a lot of this will help increase the level of Disney planning amongst people. And not only that, it's just, again, another tool for Disney to divert traffic because it can start suggesting like, hey, instead of waiting on Peter Pan for uh, for two hours, why don't you head over to the uh, teacups? Because there's a 20-minute wait. And it might might nudge a couple people here and there to kind of thin things out. So I think that's basically what it's there for. Yeah. I, I definitely think it'll be more for the, the casual guest or somebody who has this like once in a long trip or something saying, mm-hmm. I want to do... I have two girls, they're super princessy, and we want to do all princesses, and it'll plan everything. They'll not really have to think about it. Um, I'm already seeing, obviously, a lot of comments from the Uber fans that are like, I don't want to do this, I want to plan, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, then don't use it. 
you know, whatever. Exactly. <laughs> I think I know exactly what post you're talking about of people complaining about. It. I'm like, then don't use it. Yeah. I mean, the it's it's. I imagine they're going to have some kind of AI there that's going to see some of your trends. Like if you attach multiple accounts to it. And they'd be like, okay, this person really likes the waited online for this ride and this ride and this ride in the first two days of vacation. Let's start suggesting things. Um, where I can see myself using it is some of the things that I get confused about, excuse me, not confused about, but get kind of lost in the activity of the day is like when the parades are upcoming, when there's like, you know, the character meet and greet pop-ups that might not be there from a day-to-day basis, those type of things. And maybe you can um, click on a few things and you get like maybe a pop-up notification with like, hey, the parade's starting in 10 minutes. And I'd be like, oh, okay, I, f- I forgot. It was almost 2 o'clock. And you, you know, you want to yeah. go a parade or something like that. So I think that might have some benefit to it too, as well. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, parents. Yeah, you. Are you looking for a podcast your kids will really love? Well, we made one just for you. And for us. As genuine, all-natural kids ourselves, we know what makes a fun and interesting podcast. So we decided to make it ourselves. Every show is packed with interviews, stories, and on-the-ground reporting. We have interviewed everyone from scientists to Grammy Award-winning musicians to NFL quarterbacks. Listen to Wild Interest wherever you get your podcasts. The only other takeaway I had was, um, so Josh DeMauro, obviously uh, Disney chairman, had the keynote speech at it, and he really, one thing that I really liked or uh, takeaway I had from it was, he wasn't saying, woe is me. He was sort of saying, look, this is what happened. We're dealing with it. And, you know, challenge also leads to opportunity. And he's sort of saying he's, he's almost challenging the theme park industry, as he said, to dream big and move forward. So it's sort of like, okay, well, what did we learn from this? You know, what are things he talked about how, you know, when they put in the park reservation system, normally that would take them months or a year. They did weeks. You know, it's like, you know, what, what, what have we learned from this? that we could take and move forward. And he was sort of challenging the Imagineers almost to like think bigger and, and stuff like that. And I'm sure, you know, obviously it'll take a while for them to have the money to implement any of these. Um, but I, I sort of like the messaging he was given was sort of like, we didn't want this. We didn't like it. We're not happy it happened, but it happened. And, you know, let's say, let's, how can we move forward and make it mm-hmm. as a positive thing in the long run? So I thought that was good, good messaging. Now to segue into the Q4, um, call. I thought I had saw some stuff talking about um, uh, augmented reality and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and how Disney wants to go as a company as a whole is moving towards direct to consumer. Yeah. So now you just need to get a really beefy computer and some gear, and you'll be able to visit the park at home from the seat of your or standing up in your living room with virtual reality goggles. Yeah. And tour everything for the low, low, low price of forty nine ninety nine for two hours. Yeah. yeah, I saw some of that. I don't know, if Ryan, if you had any more of the details about it, but it definitely did seem like they were. Some of it was, I think, for use in the parks or in the resorts, and then some of it was definitely for home use, which you know I think is great for not, you know not everyone can get to the parks, and this is a way to bring it home. Or if you know, it, it, it's I'm sure it won't be cheap, but it'll be cheaper than a trip to the parks. Um, you know, maybe they can bring back some of those classic rides that are gone. Um, that'd be kind of cool. So I, I don't know if you had any more details, Ryan, about that sort of stuff that they were talking about. Yeah, there was a, a after Josh Demaro's panel, there was a, a panel right after his with the, I forget the title, but he was one of the executives of technology or whatever for Disney. And he, um, they highlighted a, the first experience kind of coming from this will be with Animal Kingdom. 
and it was about there. Apparently, they've already installed some um, VR camera equipment uh, in like safari areas, and you'll be able to sort of see and uh, not necessarily interact with the animals, but see and kind of you know get up close and personal with animals on the savanna. And so that was that was really the big first thing they highlighted. But they want to continue to bring experiences not only into the parks but also for you in your homes. Should be interesting. I mean, the technology is there. It's just you need enough people at home that has the VR stuff, and then you have to have a good form factor in the parks um, to take advantage of AR and reality. And that's typically done now through everybody's phone, right? But it's not the not the best experience. You need like glasses or something. But we'll see. Yeah. So I guess uh, unless anybody had any other takeaways from that, we move on quickly to the earnings call, which is I'm sure a lot of people have talked about all the details of it, um, and I thought maybe instead we could just sort of talk about what jumped out at us from it, what we want to comment on. You know, the, the headline I'm reading on CNBC sort of sum, summarizes it where it says losses not as drastic as expected, which I guess is about as good as you can hope for in 2020. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, what I'm sure a lot of companies are doing is that they sort of pro- project bloom earlier in the year, then surprisingly they, they're able to overcome this low hurdle. Um, but still, I think, you know, when you look at numbers, I was certainly expecting worse, or the, at least the potential was there for worse. Um, and then takeaways was, uh, at least to me, was how, you know, as you mentioned, they're going more to direct to consumer. They said they're going to be more of a streaming first company um, and that they're up to more than 73 million subscribers to Disney Plus already. Um, obviously, I think that paid includes things like the promotions with Verizon and stuff like that. But still, that's it's pretty know, good for it. They just celebrated their, their one year anniversary. So <laughs> that's a lot of people in a year. No, I think they are smart by getting people on there, and I think that's revolutionizing how they do. Yeah, I can't imagine what the numbers would have been like if they didn't have this. Well, well, I mean, there's a the CNBC link that you provided everyone for like just um, a summary. Um, you know, it, it's a decent, healthy portion of it. It's basically almost equivalent of Disney revenue for the parks and experiencing consumer products from like 2017. You want to measure the vertical space, so it's it's kind of crazy. I mean, I mean, if you want to take a second and kind of just talk about like Disney Plus and where we're going to see it in the future, because Ryan, maybe you could talk about it uh, a little bit more, because I must have skimmed over a little bit. They talked a lot about DTC direct to consumer. Um, did any kind of tease that he's going to talk about it a bit more next month? Um, what what did he say anything in in greater detail at all? Uh, sorry, you cut out right there at the end. What was the final part of that? Direct to consumer. What What did Chapek talk about it? Other than just mentioning that's the direction of the company. Uh, well, they they highlighted that this is the last um, earnings that they're in their current model. They they recently went through a reorganization where obviously they put the focus on direct to consumer. So that's really where they they see themselves as a company now. Is their, their primary driver is going to be direct-to-consumer, which not only is at Disney+, Plus, but ESPN+, Plus, Hulu, you know, all their different uh, avenues now that they have. Um, overseas, they'll have Star, which is their one of their big things. Um, and so then, obviously, yeah, then they highlighted that they'll announce a lot more coming up in December at their Investor Day. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that Investor Day type of thing because right now, I think Disney is better than Netflix based for qu- uh, quality content, whereas Netflix gets you all the old 
quantity of content that you yeah. you love watching at this point. And yeah. I might argue Netflix has the same number of quality things, but they have so much quantity to get that number of quantity. They have so much not good stuff too. I mean, just just take a look at all the just the movies that Disney yeah. Plus puts out. I mean, I'm not talking about original Disney sure, Plus yeah. content. I'm talking about the back library, right? Yeah, yeah. So Netflix has got a lot of stuff, but they don't have any more like Star Wars and the Disney uh, animation collection and Pixar. And I think Disney Plus is just ramping up now. I mean, you got Mandalorian, right? That's that's basically taking the place of uh, Game of Thrones in cultural zeitgeist right now. I keep using that word. It's the second second show in a row using that word. Um, but if if you had to guess, Ryan, because now let's we're getting off the rails just a little bit, so let's keep going. Um, where do you see the future in Disney Plus? Forget about Hulu and ESPN because that's its own thing, and I think everybody knows where ESPN's going and everywhere Hulu's going. It's a pretty one track type of thing. But Disney Plus is kind of the future of Disney Plus is kind of unexplored. Um, you have a sense of where where it might go? You think? Well, I think obviously they kind of the whole current situation with COVID and everything um, kind of maybe accelerated their direct consumer plan a bit. Um, but I think you're, they, I think no Disney, especially they'd be, you know, kind of stupid not to still, you know, have a big emphasis on the studios and film because I mean, they have plenty of movies that can make a billion dollars yet, but I think you also see that they're still going to have a lot of quality and, um, content coming to the Disney Plus route, and even they just announced a week ago or whatever a, a slate of um, upcoming shows and um, films that are coming. And obviously, one I think for the Disney fans that uh, they're excited for is Behind the Attractions, which we don't really know anything about yet, but they announced that. And there's a there's just a lot I think that they can do with Disney mm-hmm. Plus. It's it's an avenue to test things that maybe you know wouldn't do so well in terms and at the theaters and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I find it interesting after trying Mulan as a premiere film that they're not going that route yeah. anytime soon with anything else. Do you think yeah. we'll see that again? I don't know. I mean, they didn't give many details on that. I can't imagine if it did really well, wouldn't hide that. And the next big one is soul. And they've already said that that's not going to be a premium one. So, We'll see when the next, I guess, big action one, maybe, I guess, Black Widow. Um, if that doesn't go to theaters, um, would they have premium for that? But that, that seems like it didn't, it didn't really mean it's not the path they're going to go. But who knows? Now, do you think they would do, like, n- nearly simultaneous release in the theaters and Disney premiere? So, like, uh, I- I'm not a big movie buff. What's a typical run of, like, a, um, an Avengers movie or a Marvel movie in the theaters? Before it hits DVD, oh, before DVD, three, three so, months. Uh, it's at least three months. Might be a little more. Yeah. Do you think they might go the premium route? Like you know, there's let's say there's an open window before between DVD release and uh, end of theater release, where they might do a premium thing for like ten bucks. You get to watch it or fifteen bucks. They might try it again if if they feel it's the right movie. Um, I don't know. It just I, it just didn't fit well. I don't think for, for yeah. Disney. I think yeah. it's more of we're going to have these ten poles and assume you know when the theater industry comes back whenever that is we talked about that a little bit last time you know what you know with amc should disney buy that stuff like that you know but at some point there will be a theater viewing experience that's that's vital and they'll use that still for the temples but you know maybe they have more of those mid-range 
movies that just go right to Disney Plus and it's more to sell that. You know, especially you know, at some point they're going to raise the price of this and, and maybe they'll have tiers of Disney Plus or something like that. Um, but I, I, I'd be surprised if they maybe they'll try it again, like I said, but I, I don't think that that's what they're going to get. Right. Right. What else did you find interesting in the earnings group last week? Um, well, I think in terms of Disney Parks, the biggest thing is uh, Shea Pick com- commenting on uh, park capacity and that not only did they say he didn't really clarify whether this has already happened or if it's going to happen that they've increased to 35%, but he also they also talked about how their their bookings are doing quite well for the holiday season in terms of where they would like to be based on the current circumstances. Yeah, I I thought that 35% number cuz everybody was assuming it was 25, right? Did they have they mentioned that number at some point in, in the past or did we just assumed that it was 25 percent in the previous earnings call, or it might actually, I think it was a CNBC interview of, yeah. mm-hmm. regarding an earnings call, but That's he did, yep. did mention that um, it was 25%, and then this time he said 35%, so they seem to have increased it then. Now, was the wording at Walt Disney World or was at the theme parks capacity? Uh, this was in, yeah, this was in regards to uh, Walt Disney World um, because the other parks around the world have different uh, varying capacities now and i the, the all the number games that they play are i think are, are, are rather interesting phil what was your take on that so obviously i that jumped out at me as well and if, i'm trying to pull up his exact wording but i thought he said we're now at 35 percent, which i didn't know if that meant you know starting today or been at 35 percent, but um, i with these investor calls, I always try to keep in mind who he's talking to. He's not talking to necessarily the the bloggers or the park goers or the Disney fans. He's talking to us, and right. I think he's trying to message to them, you know, simultaneously. Like, look, we've had these caps; it's still well below what the government says we can be at. We've proven that we can. Well, do Florida it says you can do whatever you want now. Well, <laughs> well, uh, so no more caps. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, you didn't mention that, but um. Uh, but he's saying, you know, we figured out, you know, more ways to be efficient that we can feel like we can safely increase capacity. And that's what investors want to hear. Right. They want to say, like, look, they figured out how to make some money. Now they're figuring out how to make more money and to do it safely and not damage the brand. So that's kind of how I took it. I do know a lot of people got got nervous about it. People that have trips coming up. Um, if, if I'm remembering my stats correctly, he had said. The, they were running at about 77% of capacity so far. Um, but over Thanksgiving weekend, they were projected to be near capacity. So I know people who are traveling were, were a little anxious for what that's going to look like. Right. So there was two not stats there. It was the 35% capacity. Now, he didn't say park capacity. So if you add all the park capacities at 25%, mm-hmm. do you think they're going Walt Disney World capacity is the 25.20? Like, four times 25, so all those reservations for the parks, and then an additional 10% for resort guests that are not going to the park that day? Is that the 35% number? I think he meant parks. Um, I'm even reading you know, an article now, and it specifically says park capacity. Okay, just double-checking. So, yeah. Now, does that mean each of the parks are each up to 35%, or is it overall? Because obviously something like Epcot can handle or whatever. I don't know. Right. Um, but it sounds like they were increasing park capacity. And we did see, and, and I uh, should also add for the uh, for the holidays, you know, for most of these months, we've talked about it before. They have extended park hours, 
So it does spread out those crowds a little bit more. So that might be another way they're they're feeling like they're safer doing it. I know for some weekends even coming up, they've extended park hours a little too when probably when they know the crowds are going to be that. Yeah, it's a little. I mean, I, I like what Disney's doing, but that that's that numbers. I'd be part of the worried people at this point. I, I'm 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 nervous enough getting a hotel room for business, <laughs> let alone going to Disney World at 35 percent capacity. It's just also. I mean, I think the timing of it. Like I said, it's an investor call. It's who they're talking to. But it feels like, okay, we're right. ramping up capacity at the same time COVID numbers are ramping up. It's like just the timing of it. Yeah. Work. Yeah. So anyway, that that's, that's what people have to deal with us. Um, there was one other th- yeah, for sure. Uh, there was one other thing on the investor call I wanted to get to, and it completely just slipped my mind. Um, Phil, are you going to rescue me? Do you have a list that you we were <laughs> we covered on my list already? So let me see. If oh, there was one. <laughs> there was one other thing I wanted to talk. Ryan, am I forgetting anything other than those numbers? That um, was kind of a, a, the a big only point. other thing parks related is they touched on cruise line a bit. Um, that was about it. For oh yeah, with the cruise line, he did. I forget the exact wording, but he was saying they feel they can create a cruise bubble. Yeah, I guess sort of referencing the NBA bubble they did. So I don't know exactly what that's going to look How like. How expensive you have to stay at a Walt Disney World resort for two weeks, <laughs> take four, four tests, and then go on your cruise. So yeah. Godspeed if you can get three weeks off of work to do that. <laughs> All right, so I, I think I think we're good to wrap on uh, the newsy part of the show, and which is perfect because we're at the thirty minute mark anyway. Um, so the main reason why I wanted Ryan to get on here was to yell at him because I tweeted at him that to get me a picture of the backside of the castle. And then he forgot all about me on the internet. <laughs> so obviously he had nothing better to do than tweet at me while he's on vacation. So Ryan, how, what was your overall experience, right? This, this is your first, was this your first trip back since um, everything started? Yeah. This is my first time back since January. So I went before COVID and now I've gone after COVID. What are your um, initial impressions of the whole thing? Um, now, I I was obviously I, I I wouldn't say I was too worried going in. I was more worried about the the travel aspect mm-hmm. um, than I was actually being at Walt Disney World. Um, now I didn't end up my I was with some friends and they ended up renting a car, so I never took the Magical Express. Um, so I didn't have that experience to see how that w- would would have went. Um. But I do know there was some longer lines the day I was I came in. So I mean, they're and plus they're kind of um, running at a limited capacity. They're you know not running as many buses as as they they may uh, normally do. So, um, but I actually think if I were to recommend something, I would say if you can rent a car. I think that's you know real a really good idea for the current uh, climate. Um, that kind of saved us the entire week that we were there. Um, otherwise travel, I mean, just travel in general. I, I, it wasn't, I flew Southwest down there and I didn't think that was, um, too much of an issue. They were still doing their, uh, empty middle seat. Um, and then the airport was really not that busy. Um, but in terms of then getting to, I stayed at Animal Kingdom Lodge Jumbo House, which is only currently open to, um, uh, DVC members and, it, really, that's only the fifth floor of the resort, so it's very quiet and pretty much uh, the only time I saw people was in the morning when the parks were opening and people were heading to a bus. But otherwise, the resort was dead at all other times. 
Well, that's always uh, a good thing. Yeah. Right? I mean, you're kind of alone out there. That's good. And then, or with your group anyway. And then um, what about the park? So how long, how long were you there, including your first and last day with travel? Um, and then what days did you do all the parks? Excluding so, the tail end of your trip when you went to Universal. Because we're going to yeah, talk about so that later. So I too. did the first, I was at uh, Jumbo House for four nights. And uh, so I did one park um, per day, basically. Um, so we did on my first day I did Epcot. Um, and I didn't, so I didn't have a full day in Epcot, even though Epcot opened, I think at 11 that day, I didn't get there till about one. Um, and really I only, I only rode two attractions at Epcot, um, Soren and living with the land and uh, both were walk-ons. So neither, you know, had a wait, um, test track, I think, just looking at the app had the longest wait of about a half hour. Hmm. So I thought crowd wise Epcot was pretty, pretty uh, mild. Um, you could see walking into world showcase though, that seemed to be where the people were and frozen was actually closed on, it was closed for like four days or something for a quick refurbishment. So it was closed the day I was there. So I don't know how that would have, you know, impacted crowds at all. If, you know, people would be standing in line for that. Cause that usually between that and test track, those two things seem to have the longest waits right now. And, uh, um, but overall I didn't, uh, I, I didn't think Epcot was very busy. Um, it was a Thursday, so not necessarily the weekend. Um, but yeah, we did a, a good amount of food and wine booths and then, uh, and then headed out. We did, we ate at Disney Springs that night, which Disney Springs was busier at obviously being at night. Um, but I didn't feel like that was overly crowded either. Um, and then well, on... Disney, Disney Springs is like the place where people are, I guess, the most nervous, if you want to use a word. Yeah. How, how, how um, was how were the parks versus Disney Springs as of last week? Um, Disney. Well, and interestingly enough, though, that that Disney Springs day was the first day they had started implementing uh, security checks at Disney Springs. Now they have the uh, the walkthrough scanners um, at Disney Springs. Um, so before you go do the before you do the temperature check, you go through the scanner. Mm-hmm. Um, or actually take that back. It was vice versa. You do the temperature check, then the scanner, but, um, they're all in the park because we, we parked there. So we went through, that was all in the parking garage, but overall, I didn't think I didn't explore the entirety of Disney Springs. We had Haleo. So we mostly stayed on uh, West side. Um, we just did a couple things on the West side and into town center there. But so I didn't really, I didn't really go on the marketplace side to see if that was very crowded, but I didn't think. Um, West Side and Town Center were that crowded. Did you have any run-ins with DEA agents at all? <laughs> no. Um, for those that don't know, there was a some kid was arrested for impersonating a DEA agent with a BB gun and a badgy boat on Amazon. So I thought that was rather funny. <laughs> um, okay, so you, you did Epcot when you were there. Um, two questions um, compared February or January? Is it January? Yep, you were there. In January to now. How was the construction? And two, um, could you tell the difference um, if you ignored everybody wearing masks? Um, well, in terms of, so starting with construction, I, because um, I took a bus from Jumbo to Epcot. So we, in that was my first time really getting the full entrance, entrance experience because outside the fountain, um, everything's now open. And in January, um, Half, I think half of it was still uh, still closed. 
um, since, since they've opened that okay. up and now they have the whole security open. So that was real easy. There was no lines or anything to get in. Um, and I construction wise elsewhere in future world, I didn't, uh, wasn't too much different. Everything was pretty much the same as it was in January. Um, so yeah. And what was the, what was the second question? It was basically like, would you be able, how, if you close your eyes for a moment and open it up quickly and just kind of put yourself in the moment, would you be able to tell any, there was, a, you know, you were in the middle of a pandemic other than people wearing masks. Did it feel, uh, did it feel like a normal, like Disney day at Epcot? Yeah, I would say it, it definitely, it felt like, I wouldn't say, yeah, cause it, it felt like a normal day. It wasn't obviously busy, so it didn't feel um, like, you know, it was like New Year's Eve or something but it didn't feel dead either. Like there were, I mean, you, there was definitely people all around it, it. It's, you know, like I know Len Testa and his podcast has said, you know, the parks feel more alive right now. And I would agree with that. It, you feel they, they don't, you know, they're just kind of average days. They're not, you know, crazy busy and they're not, you know, empty either. Hmm. Okay. So after your first day at Epcot, um, I assume you, you did that because it's the park that's open the latest at, the, at this time and maybe not has the much stuff. So the second day you were there, where did you go? We went to Animal Kingdom. Of course. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and another kind of I, – I got there um, early um, before park opening. And so the park was actually open um, before – I think the park opened at 8 that day. And I got there just after 7. And I got in line for Flight of Passage right away, rode that, and then my friends showed up, and we rode it again. So I, I did Flight of Passage back-to-back within 45 minutes, probably. Oh, that's pretty good. I did that back-to-back because I stole my son's magic band and, and used his fast pass <laughs> for it. He was too short, by the way, so he couldn't go on, so it was not like I'm stealing from him. <laughs> um, was the re- I mean, the rest of the park seems like it, it's probably pretty decently open, right? There's really not much, other than the shows, I should say, like Nemo and Lion King. Um, there's not much else that's kind of taking away that experience at Animal Kingdom, right? Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I One thing is we, I, the, touching on the, like, the entertainment that they have going on, the, the flotillas, they call them. I actually, this was the first day of the Christmas ones, so we got oh, to see those. Okay. Um, but I, I really liked that experience. We actually took a, a snack break and we sat um, by in the in the Rivers of Light Theater, um, and uh, we watched them all the the boats um, pass by, and that was really cool to see. Uh, you know that if you're sitting in that theater, the the characters have more of a interaction with you because they can you know they'll hmm. they'll wave to you and um, stuff like that because there's not as many people in that area. Oh, so there's a little tip for everybody that might be going down in the next five or six months. Sit, sit there, have a snack, and do some character and people watching from the theater. Because I guess that's the only thing that it's good for now since there's no more <laughs> yeah, nighttime say, show. Rivers of Light, RIP. Uh, yeah. Um, I did so want to you- ask you, so since you mentioned about those holiday flotillas and stuff, were, was any none of the holiday decorations were up at Epcot yet, right? No, yeah, there was no... Epcot was the only park... I visited that did not have holiday decor yet. Okay. Cause that, yeah, I wanted to kind of hear, get your take on the holiday decorations in general. I maybe talk about more later, but you know, um, you know, some people thought the Halloween decorations were lacking a little bit. It seems like not as much for, for the holidays for Christmas. Uh, but obviously you didn't see Epcot wasn't up yet. Or maybe, maybe we hit the other parks, talk a little bit. Decorations. 
you know, I have one more question though for Animal Kingdom. So with the reduced pre-show for Flight of Passage, was that a better line without all the nonsense to sit through? Um, well, I, I don't know if it's necessarily a better line. They still, you kind of, instead of still being held in one room and then being held in a second room, they have the door open and they space the groups out. So you have two or three groups in the first pre-show room and then two or three groups in the second pre-show room and they only show you the second video. So you, you're really, you're still, I mean, obviously you're not waiting as long cause you don't have to watch two pre-shows, but you're still, you know, you still have to wait for the, you know, to get to the next room necessarily. So. I don't know, Phil, not having to see that second video or the first one, which one or the whichever one they don't show is kind of beneficial in my opinion. Well, I, got, I, got, I mean, after you've done it a number of times, especially if you do it back to back or anything, you're like, okay, yeah, yeah we get it. I'm dancing around. I'm, yeah, we're all infected. Okay. okay <laughs> and a uh, fly. Okay. Excellent. Yes. Of course. Um, any other, any other things like, how, did you go on the safari at all when you were there? Yep. We did the safari. That weight wasn't really too bad. I didn't think Animal Kingdom really had of the, I would, well, obviously, Epcot only did two attractions, but I did everything. We did everything once, at, at least once, at Animal Kingdom, and I didn't feel weights were bad at all there. Well, what about what I what I actually wanted to know is the experience because I think there, there's plexiglass on the on the truck. Like, does does that impact like your viewing angles or, or at all, or was it comfortable? I um, feel like I sat on. We sat in the back row, so I that I didn't think that. Um, made too much of a issue with in terms of the plexiglass in front. Um, okay. I also sat myself, I sat on the end of the row. So I kind of had more, you know, viewing space, I guess. Um, so I didn't think there was too much of an issue with that. And then uh, with magic kingdom, Phil, do you, you want You want to talk about, um, you want to ask him about the decorations? Cause I, I'm assuming that's magic kingdom's probably got the most. Yeah. I mean, that's probably a, a great one to look through. And I know you weren't there during the Halloween, but, People are, you know, I think you obviously saw photos and even you were commenting how everything that is normally up for Halloween was up. But what were your impressions of the, the holiday decoration? Um, yeah, so I think because um, the next day we did sat, yeah, Saturday was uh, Magic Kingdom. And we, in terms of because I've been there for Christmas decor before, and I, to my knowledge, everything that they've done in terms of at least Main Street and stuff, everything was up from previous years. Um, obviously the tree, the arches on main street, um, the toy soldiers in town center. Um, and then they had the characters up on the balcony in their Christmas outfits waving as you walked in. And I know they, uh, I think they had it up by the time you were there, they had jingle cruise and, and that was going and some of the other kind of specific holiday things. Yep. We did jingle cruise. Yeah, that was, that was going, um, they also did obviously the the cavalcades. They had the um, different cavalcades going, and uh, we I didn't see. I think the only one I didn't see was Santa. Um, we just didn't never caught that one, but we saw there was a goofy one with Max, and then they had Mickey and Minnie on their Christmas float, um, the Dapper Dan's on the trolley singing. Um, yeah, I think that was, and then obviously Santa was the one we missed. Yeah, I see a lot of people going uh, kind of crazy seeing Max, who uh, owned in Walt Disney World. Although, I think people are questioning if he was old enough to drive. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess at Disney he is. <laughs> so with, with with Magic Kingdom, obviously there's 
the major difference is finally to get a look at the castle. Um, what 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 are your? Now I'm losing track of time because of my pandemic time frame. In my head. The <laughs> castle. When did the castle finally? It like it was in. When you were there in January, it was in the middle of its transformation. Um, they ba- had barely, st- if I remember correctly, it barely started. I don't. It wasn't really. They didn't really. Nothing was different in January, really. Um, and then now, obviously, this is my first time seeing it all completed, and it's definitely pink. Yes. Um, <laughs> I. I. I will say I do like the blue. I like the richer, you know, more bold blue, and the blue changes colors and different lighting of the day. Um, but I'm not so much a fan of the bold pink. I think that could have been toned down a bit, but I I, I like the blue. See, I, I'm with you. That's my initial impression of just seeing pictures of it, and then my sister who went down in July sharing pictures of it and stuff like that. I I mean. Not that this is really part of your visit kind of talk, but I, I'd love to see them like shade that down a little bit, kind of yeah. get it closer to gray than than pink. Because I, I like the gold. Did, can, were you able to tell? See, like the gold. Um, what are they? Florets or embossing yeah, the gold is great too. I, I really like the gold. The gold accents throughout. Um, yeah, that was really great. I think just the the pink just makes it more seem like you know Sleeping Beauty Castle than Cinderella Castle. It doesn't doesn't have that difference as much as you know mm. the, it looks more like the disneyland castle but that is what it is so anything else other than the decorations in magic kingdom anything else stand out to you um about the experience or it was kind of like a good old trip down to the magic kingdom um well uh, the only other thing holiday wise i wanted to um say was the projections um those had uh started oh, right yeah that weekend and um, I'm I'm a big fan of the the dream lights that they normally do, um, mm-hmm. and I hope those come back. Um, I'm you know kind of skeptical if they will, but I thought the the projections were well done. I I enjoyed them. Um, I just hope that I I do still hope that the the lights come back. I I very much probably guarantee can guarantee that the lights in some fashion. They might tweak them, but like. You put a lot of money and effort into programming those lights, and those are, they, they really make the castle light up. It's it's a beautiful show. I, I watch some of the versions of multiple people's cameras, kind of putting those things, um, watching those things. And they're pretty good. How are the crowds like around the castles? Those, those things because that was another thing that Phil and I were talking about a couple of weeks ago, or a week and a half ago, or whatever it was. To it seemed like people were bunching up a little bit too much there in the hub. Did you get the same feeling when you were there? Um, now we. We had a dinner reservation um, kind of right when they started, so I'm not sure what the crowds um, looked like, you know, right when they started to see if, you know, people were waiting for that first, like, showing of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of saw them later in the, the evening, and I didn't think the crowds were too bad. Obviously, you know, there were some areas where people were kind of bunched up, but I didn't think there was, you know, a, you know, it wasn't overly crowded where I couldn't find, you know, space that you know you had you know at least six feet if not more away from people yeah uh, phil we were kind of speculating or at least you were speculating that it was a lot of bloggers might have been in that i'm wondering if it was just kind of the first day and people kind of figuring out exactly what it was and how it was going to work because um i did ask a few other people you know just anecdotally and they seem to uh, echo what ryan was saying that it, it really didn't seem to be too big of an issue 
as we get closer to the holidays and they're at 35% and a hundred percent of that 35%, you know, will it, will it become an issue again? But, um, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that it, it was just more of a sort of a first day thing where it was a little too close for comfort. Yeah. Now, right. I, I forget you, you went to Hollywood studios as well, right? Yep. And Sunday, my last Walt Disney world, uh, full day was at Hollywood studios. Um, and I would, just to bounce back on Magic Kingdom for a second, I thought that was the, in terms of crowds of the four parks, I thought Magic Kingdom was the, the most crowded. Um, it was also a Saturday, so, I mean, that kind of makes sense. And then I thought Hollywood Studios on Sunday was the second most crowded park I had been in that week. Okay, so, um, you know, jumping over there, did you rope drop Hollywood Studios? Yep. Yes, I yeah, the the park has been, I have, you know, obviously following on social media and disboards and all that stuff. It, it's been kind of routine that the park opens, um, ahead of schedule. And so I, we got there early enough and I was in the park, um, about nine fifteen. Hmm. Okay. Um, and also that morning, obviously we have now the, the change in rise of the resistance, um, boarding groups. So now you can do it from your hotel room or whatever. Um, and I kind of, uh, had a app issue and I didn't end up getting a, uh, boarding group at 7am at the first drop. Um, the app kind of quit on me and said there was an error or whatever. And then I oh, went, no good. went back in and of course then they were gone cause they go in about 10 seconds. Um, but we did get lucky and I, at the 2pm drop, we uh, had no problem getting a boarding group. Well, that's good. Uh, there's there's nothing worse than going there having one Hollywood Studios day and you don't get to go on the premiere ride. Um, that would be extremely frustrating. So I'm happy for you with that. Now, was Hollywood Studios with all of its, you know, comparing last time to this time, same kind of experience, even though there's a lot of stuff that's closed down. Um, and if, I also think it's one of the least decorated parks, I think, in terms of a lot of the stuff that they do, other than Echo Lake. Uh, yeah, the the one big thing in terms of decorations, um, Toy Story Land was not decorated. Normally, that is right. Um, and but they were they were running the the holiday um, music or whatever on the um, Slinky Dog and on Aliens Swirling Saucers, um, but they just didn't have any of the decorations up. Um, Echo Lake is obviously all decorated, and then they have the, uh, the you know the tree there and. Um, that's, was all the same. Um, and then they did the projections on Tower of Terror, which normally they do a whole show with the, you know, uh, snow or, you know, soap or whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, but they only did just the projections and those changed every, uh, 10 minutes. Now, just, just, um, for reference, because I'm staring at it on my computer and my Twitter feed, it looks like they're doing, um, they're about to get ready for firework tests at the Magic Kingdom, which I thought was um and the castle looks kind of nice at nighttime uh did you what with did you get a chance to get a sense of the castle lit up without the projections when you're at magic kingdom i'm sorry i'm backtracking but i'm staring at something right now uh no because they kind of did the uh the projections you know right as it got dark and then you know the parks aren't open as late so you know it wasn't much of a a chance to see it without any projections Okay, because I'm I'm just looking at it kind of with the uplighting. It looks kind of nice. Anyway, um, we are getting closer to the end, but I wanted to dedicate the last portion because you didn't just do Walt Disney World this this time around. What did you do? Yeah, I went to uh, Universal for the first time. Just uh, t- 
two days with a uh, one night at Cabana Bay and just decided to dip my toes into the other side of Orlando. So what were your, your initial rep- uh, impressions just on like hotel accommodations? Um, well, I obviously Cabana Bay is uh, one of their value resorts, not their lowest level value, but uh, like this, like the second up from the bottom tier. So I, I would equate it more, you know, towards a pop century in terms of Disney, but I thought I really liked Cabana Bay. We had a, va- a volcano Bay room. Um, so you, you know, open the big window and the volcano is right there. Um, volcano Bay is closed during this time, but it was really cool to see, uh, into that park that I do hope to go back to sometime and see. Um, but I, I thought rooms were great. I didn't have any complaints about the rooms or the resort at all. Yeah. I've, I mean, not that I do extensive research on universal hotels. Uh, I've just heard good word of mouth about, about that resort. That's really nice. So, Okay, so main difference, Universal versus Walt Disney World with uh, safety precautions and just park in general. What were your first impressions as you were kind of wandering through? Um, well, obviously, both are doing you know temperature checks and uh, whatnot there. Um, but I thought the biggest, my biggest difference between the two, which I actually liked this at Universal more than what Disney was doing, is before you get on any attraction at Universal, there is a team member there that is personally giving you hand sanitizer. Whereas at Disney, they just have the automatic dispensers mm. right as you yep. enter. And, you know, it's kind of the honor system to take that. But the team member gives you, it makes sure you take hand sanitizer before you get on any attractions. I thought that was really nice and something I wish Disney would, was doing. Well, there you go. So um, obviously you got to see, hopefully anyway, the, the Harry Potter stuff. So the, 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 I guess the impetus for Galaxy's Edge was Universal has this amazing, um, you know, immersive experience. Uh, what do you think running through it? Now, first, are you a Harry Potter? I mean, I'm assuming you you, you went right to yep. do all the Harry Potter stuff. Okay, just just checking. Um, are you a Harry Potter fan, or is um, it? Are you take it or leave it? You kind of like me, cool movies, and you kind of leave it at that. Yeah, that's kind of me. I I've seen the movies. I've I've read. I started reading the books, but it just wasn't, you know, my kind of thing. It wasn't. But I, I appreciate yep. it, and, and you know it's it's a great thing. Um, but I was you know very impressed with the uh, Harry Potter uh, experience. I thought um, it was all well done. You know, kind of similar to the you know the the highly themed Disneyland's that we see. Um, I uh, I did every attraction that in the Potter lands at least once. I did Hagrid's three times, which was now oh, in in terms of. Um, Attra- you know, obviously it's hard to compare something like that to Disney. Um, but I mean, I've never, I don't know if I've ever had as much fun on an attraction like Hagrid's. Um, obviously I'm a big star Wars fan, so I love rise of the resistance. And I mean, but that's more difficult to get on right now. Whereas uh, we kind of lucked out. I thought universal crowds were extremely low. We never really waited longer than a half hour for anything. That's pretty good. Um, so, I mean, we got, you know, like I said, we got to ride Hagrid's three times and I, I, I couldn't get enough of it. I could have just ridden that all day. <laughs> um, but I thought uh, there was some areas of universal that I thought were kind of, um, I don't want to say dirty or, but just not as well kept as other areas. 
And then I thought, you know, this, this really could use a refurb or it could use, you know, just something new. Um, just poor show. But, yeah. Uh, I think one example of that for me was the cat in the hat ride, which is just like a small dark ride, but it just didn't seem well kept. I thought that could really use an update. Yeah, like well, that's that that was always my impression of Universal. Um, I, I've never been personally, and um, typically when I'm down there, I you know it's all out Disney World. Um, but you know I, I've been to a lot of theme parks, and recently it's something like Hershey Park, where Phil you were there earlier mm-hmm. in the year, and you know that's a nice regional park, right? It's got a lot of coasters, but a lot of those smaller rides, you know, they're older rides or they're kind of normal upkeep right you can see the wear and tear it doesn't look like everything's new and clean and fresh that's what that's kind of what i got from universal like there's some amazing sections like the harry potter stuff that's like you know um primo real estate in in theme parks but then there's the other stuff like cat in the hat area that's just like okay it's kind of just it seems like filler to me um is 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 that is that the because phil you've been you've been to universal right so I haven't personally been since 2000. Um, so it's but, been a while, yeah. Yeah, but Judy, my wife, took Olivia, our oldest, for one day to, for her birthday because she's super into Harry Potter. Um, and they were really focused on the Harry Potter stuff, and they said that was excellent. Um, mm-hmm. They did say they kind of felt like they got kind of got their fill after a day, but they were, they were also very focused on, on certain things. Yep. So, Ryan, then your next time you go down there – is is Universal always going to be part of the mix now, or is this something that you kind of experienced? Maybe you go back in a couple of years or something else like that, or is this, you know, tradition now? Um, I don't think it's something I would do every trip. I could see myself like every other year or something going to Universal, and I think I thought, well, you know, I did two. I, so I did two days. Um, I had a park to park ticket um, for two days, and I thought that was kind of the perfect amount based on crowd levels and everything i got everything done that i wanted to get done um so i i thought that was you know i didn't need more than two days um but i would go back i think i'm not going to go back until after the jurassic park um or the velocicoaster opens two years um so i think that would that's really the next time i would look at going is after that that new experience opens yeah i mean like I mean, obviously, we're on a Disney podcast, and we're Disney people. So, I mean, this is kind of a silly kind of question, or you know, you know, a platform to ask a question on. But you know, you could always go to I, I can go to any of the parks at you know Disney World twice in a in a given span, even if I've done everything in that park. Like you know, you're you're at a park, Disney Park, and it's a great time. You kind of get a sense that from you're not the only one that says you can go two days, get everything done, and you're set. You don't really need to go back. Um, now that you've done that, obviously you just said that you don't need to go back. But would you, if you got into stuff, would you want to go back again on like the same trip, like do you know a second day at the same park if you had the time? Yeah, I think yeah, I would do it again. I think the, the only difference in terms of like this trip I would make is um, I would do Universal first and then end with Disney instead of starting with Disney and then ending with Universal. Is there a reason why um, you did that that way or is this just um, how it kind it's of just, worked out? It's just kind of how it worked out. I was, Disney was always the plan. And then I, with the, um, cause this was supposed to be wine and dine weekend. Um, so I was supposed to be running and, um, but obviously that was canceled. Sure. And um, so then with the, with that, 
being gone, and I uh, had the opportunity to um, get a cheap room at uh, Cabana Bay, and so it's like I'll just tack on a night there, and you know, so I just did that and experienced Universal for the first time. Cool. All right. Well, um, we, we hit the one hour mark, and before we get to Phil's DBC recommends for the week, anything else that you want to kind of put out there about your over, overall trip? Obviously, you had a good time because you had a little vacation there. Any other lasting last impressions you want to kind of throw out there? Um, no, I just overall, I think um, you know, don't go if you're you know have a trip coming up. Don't go in expecting you know, you know, no lines and no crowds and anything. But also, you know, it's not overly crowded. There are you know plenty of areas and times to that you can get away from any areas that may be crowded. At least that's what you know how I um, took it throughout every day of my trip, and also I would plan plan breaks. Right now, we you know with the masks and stuff, I thought we did. We usually did a midday um, ADR, and that was you know a great break to just you know take the mask off, have some food, and then you know continue on our day. Nice. Okay. Well, uh, Ryan, I really appreciate you sharing your experience. Um, I think. I think as as this show ages, as we move on, I think, you know, trip reports are some of the ways we get to tell our own personal stories at at the parks. Everybody kind of does the parks differently. And I think I always learn something from how people tour the parks. So, uh, again, thank you for that. And before we wrap up, Phil, what is your DBC recommends for the week? I'm looking at this. I haven't seen it. It looks very interesting. <laughs> so uh, first, I guess I have two. My first DBC recommends is that you listen to our bonus episodes about covering the Mandalorian. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> we forgot to tie in last week. Excellent job, Phil. Excellent job. So, yeah, I've been getting some good feedback. I think people have been liking our take on them where we're not you know, necessarily going minute by minute and doing a full recap, but more sharing our thoughts and how sort of connects into the universe of star wars and our take on that plenty of people doing minute by minute breakdowns pausing frame by frame getting all the details out we are definitely not those people so my actual dpc recommends is a youtube channel called themed alternative and it's done by some of my uh favorite uh youtube personalities in the theme park space uh run by kevin burr who does defunct land and and it's connected to a few other things but they do a lot of different things, but one of my favorite things they do is they, they have these what they call Let's Watch shows where they look at old Disney specials from like the 70s and 80s for like, say, Walt Disney World's 20th anniversary or whatever. And they they talk over it basically like Mystery Science Theater 3000 style where they basically say, yeah. funny comments and, you know, they talk about the celebrities that were in it. Um, and it's just really easy to go sort of down a rabbit, <laughs> rabbit hole on those. I was watching... Um, Epcot's opening ceremony, and it had like a six-year-old Drew Barrymore in it. Um, and then, oh man, uh, random thing. They, they, I didn't know there was this robot called Seiko on opening day of Epcot that they introduced. That one of the guys comments goes, "Oh, by the way, he put out an album." I'm like, "This robot put out an album?" So now I'm going down a, a rabbit hole finding this robot album, and I was only able to find <laughs> it. I was able to find it, but only in French. So now I'm like, that's this is how I'm spending my Saturday night now is listening to a robot sing in French. So if you want to kind of go down uh, rabbit holes, it's it's, it's a uh, use. They, the reason I had watched it actually on Saturday was um, they're also connected with the people at the the Halix um, special documentary, and they had mm-hmm. a reunion, a uh, live stream reunion of the Halix. They did a, a tribute music video. So oh, I, cool. Uh, I tweeted on my personal account. Um, if you're not familiar with Halix as a uh, 
Disney fan, I definitely think check it out. The music video is really good. Um, one of their most popular songs is called Jailbait. So just think about the song. And it's about exactly what you think it's about being sung in Disneyland in you know entire summer. So it's a very uh, unique, interesting thing. So maybe we'll, maybe we'll end on that note. And where can they find us on social oh, media? Yes, film? and I will be tweeting out everything, including a link to Themed Alternative on uh, Twitter at PodDBC, Instagram, the DBC Podcast, and Facebook, DBC Pod. Very good. And again, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I'm sure you'll be on soon again shortly as we think of some other gimmicks to bring all of our friends back on <laughs> and <laughs> harass everybody on scores. Uh, maybe we can get, we, maybe our next, we could, we should do like a drafting episode, like, christmas themed in like a couple of weeks oh, that's so a good we idea gotta, yeah. we gotta think of something um well maybe people could uh suggest things on social media what should we draft related to the holiday Ooh, good idea yes on social media which phil just diligently laid out for everybody so uh hook us up there go send us your feedback i guess make sure you download the episode on every single platform we'll leave an itunes um footnote for us review and then we'll go from there but in any case thank you for listening everybody have a good night and we'll see you next week good night Take care everyone